Welcome to the Social Justice War Room, the podcast where we discuss social justice in fiction, reality, and everything in between. My guest today is an old friend of mine from various fandoms who's done a lot of work both in reality and on the internet for leftist activism. He has a blog and prefers to be called by the title he has on the Radical Autism blog, The Radical Writer. Please welcome The Radical Writer. Hello, RW. Hello. And uh, I guess my first topic is just sort of wondering what is in between uh, between like fiction and reality? I, I assume it's probably where uh, a lot of uh, the right wing seems to exist, going from what they <laughs> like to think about. That definitely seems to be the case. But your blog definitely covers a lot of things from a neurodiverse lens in the way that like these kind of societal biases and stereotypes do perpetuate themselves through media. Like you, we've just, we're both fans of superhero comics and we discussed that a lot. And in your blog, you have several articles on the ways in which both fascism and neoliberalism are perpetuated through superhero stories? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, so, yeah, uh, like you said, I have, uh, like, we first met, like, uh, like through uh, uh, our mutual interest of uh, superhero comics. We were both on the uh, fan page, a uh, fan group for uh, the last Angry Geek, uh, the other channel awesome comic book reviewer that people do not talk about. Uh, sorry, uh, geek. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we met through there, and so that's generally been like uh, a topic that we've uh, we've that's uh, always like bind uh, binded us together as our friendship formed, and. As some, uh, like, I got into comics myself because of both, like, uh, The Last Angry Geek and Linkara. Like, with Linkara, it was learning about uh, just kind of the general lore, uh, lore and, like, worlds in superhero comics that made me interested into, like, getting invested in it. And with The Last Angry Geek, for all, for all the, like, things uh, one can point out about The Last Angry Geek that he... Uh, that has kind of held him back as a creator. Like I, I do always appreciate how he is someone who is act- actively like saying, Hey, here's a comic I read recently. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you, this is like worth your time reading, which I think is, does a lot more in getting people like invested in comics than just uh, talking about like, uh, like bad comics that are like memes in the comic book fandom, like one more day or whatever, but that's a whole other story. And I guess I would say one thing that's always kind of bugged me, especially as around the same time I was getting into superhero comics, I was also getting like uh, progressively more political and more left wing was, you know, uh, you always get like the, the people who are like, oh, superheroes are just like inherently fascist. And I've always like uh like uh rammed up against it. A part of it is just admittedly kind was admittedly kind of the the vibe of when something you're uh, you like is being like uh, get, uh painted with such a broad brush like that especially when you know you know historically like superheroes being called fascist was literally used for pretense to censor them back in like the 50s uh 
but also just like as I learned more about like what fascism actually is ideologically speaking I also just felt it it's kind of just become one of those examples of people describing uh, using the word fascist to describe anything they find like vaguely authoritarian enough and I think and I do not and again, again, I've said this on my blog, but uh, I am admittedly very annoyed by the other side of that conversation, which tends to be dedicated uh, superhero fans who, you know, are worried about uh, anything problematic about the media they like uh, being sort of like a reflection of their morality uh, uh, just like automatically like trying to silence down anyone uh, saying anything critical of the genre as just being like a snob who hates comics or something like that. And I think the truth really kind of lies more in the middle because there are fascistic elements to superheroes. You know, there is like a lot of assumptions about authority and like the rule of law and mo- and stuff like that. But it, it tends to be uh, one it tends to be like often a lot more status quo it really depends admittedly it depends from character to character and that's also part of the reason why i think the the blatant comparison that all superheroes are fascist is kind of a broad brush because you know there's a a world of political difference between someone like the punisher and like kamala khan like those are two very politically very different characters in terms of their views in the world of the world and how they like uh put those views into practice but and again it's also just because when you look at enough examples of the genre that while there are definitely some uh creators and characters that have very fascistic assumptions a lot of it tends to be a more of a very liberal genre where it's kind of more based in the virtues of like individual responsibility and kind of like uh, this idea of uh, of like good and evil kind of being like uh, inherent traits and not like uh, like the reason why people do bad things like crime having more of like material reason and again there are comics that even like go into the nuances there, but yeah, it's, it, I feel the general thing to say is that uh, com- superhero comics, uh, uh, particularly in America are very much like have kind of like a lot of liberal some, and occasionally like kind of conservative assumptions about, about the world and society. But of course the thing about fascism is that there's always like background elements of fascism that exist, even in a society that isn't fascist. That's, and that's how a fascist movement coalesces. So, you know it's how you get like uh like comic book fans who you know even though they have all these characters who for years like have always been talking about like diversity like the x-men have always been uh like symbolic of like civil rights struggles for example uh who uh become very uh who easily like go into uh, kind of fascistic rhetoric with kind of the way they like celebrate classic uh with the way they worship this like ideal of like uh of like what they thought superhero comics were like when they were like kids and teenagers compared to now and just how it kind of leads them down to a lot of very authoritarian thinking okay so that's that brings us to one thing that we've had so many laughs about which is a comic you've discussed on your blog the champions written by mark wade and drawn by Humberto ramos which is and I won't mince words saying like the most 
cringy example of going back to brunch liberalism you can find in superhero comics. And it there's a lot of like surface progressivism on it in this very you, how are you doing fellow youngsters way with words like microaggression and punching down being thrown about without any real context behind them. But there's also some elements that kind of point to a, a much darker hint behind this surface embrace of diversity. Do you want to explain kind of what I'm going for here with this hilariously bad comic and it's less hilariously bad ideology? Uh, yes, um, uh, I guess uh, 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 obligatory uh, uh, Zizek sniff uh, uh, <laughs> when talking about ideology there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, Champions is uh, very much, uh, Mark Wade's Champions is very much kind of a disappointing comic for me because I went because all literally when i when i saw like the ads for it i was like oh hey yeah i love all these characters here they're all in one book like uh, yeah and you know uh i i when i was first getting into comics like one of the series i was really into was mark wade's run on daredevil which is a very good run and i'd argue one of the very best uh although that's probably not a very uh, controversial thing to uh, to assert unless you're uh, one of these comic skaters who's just like so intent on being mad about Mark Wade all the time. Uh, but yeah, it was very much like you said. Uh, actually, the point of comparison I always make is uh, Paul, is it Bob Haney's uh, run on Teen Titans from back in the 60s and early 70s? Like the, the run of Teen Titans that no one talks about unless you're doing a general retrospective of the team. Uh, you know, the before they had like Raven and uh, Cyborg as uh, part of the cast and stuff like that. And, you know, it was the epitome of what you would imagine a 1960s comic book starring teen characters written by people who hadn't been teens since the 1930s uh, would be like, which is to say uh, incredibly cringeworthy and like a, a very like shallow interpretation and like doing stuff that's very like uh, that's very like gimmicky like oh let's go to hippie town usa and mark wade's champions very much has uh, a similar feel to it it's looking at oh hey you know the millennials slash zoomers I, I always get confused where the cutoff point is with those two generations even though i'm technically in uh, in one of those two camps <laughs> but uh yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, they care like a lot about like social like progressivism and activism, and you know it leads to like a lot of cringeworthy stuff, like the the horrible joke in the second issue where where they make a joke about microaggressions with like uh you know Viv taking uh Viv Vision Vision's android daughter taking uh offense at you know like uh miss marvel like referencing ghost stories because ghosts aren't alive and androids aren't alive therefore like therefore microaggression which is literal this is it sounds like the kind of joke that like a like uh like a right-wing commentator making fun of this uh comic for like views on youtube would make like it's that kind of like understanding of the subject matter and well, the thing is, is that, uh, and 
like I really like the champions as a team. I like the runs that came after Wade was no longer writing the book, but and you know, I, I gave the series a fair chance. I read through the whole thing. There was even like one or two issues that, uh, uh, that I did like in isolation. But yeah, it, it was very much uh, both not understanding of the generations. Like it was more of like uh, from admittedly a writer who was generally supportive of the vague ideas they stood for, but not really understanding or having like a, a, a way to really like write these characters in a way where, uh, where you seem to understand the generation. And also just like you were alluding to just kind of a lot of problematic assumptions that come from the genre. Like for example, in the very first issue, there, uh, they uh, they address address. I say with finger quotes child child trafficking, and uh, in it, it's just basically like, oh yeah, just after the team comes together, they just <clears throat> randomly stumble up- across a plot from like a no name villain who I don't even I think was made just for that issue and hasn't even shown up again since. Uh, although now yeah, I'd probably have to wiki that up to. Uh, I think he was that. named Pagliacci. He was basically like an opera themed ripoff of the Joker. Yeah, yeah. It was like a clown, and like these girls he kidnapped uh, were like in clown makeup, which was very, very inappropriate. Like, I'm not someone who says you can't mix like a uh, supervillain crime with like this, uh, with this kind of more serious stuff, but like, this is like, you have to at least understand tact, you know, like there's a reason why, like, uh, why, uh, why, like you never got like, uh, like, uh, sex crimes in like a uh, Gotham central, you know, like, because people realize mixing like that kind of stuff with supervillains, you know, uh, if you don't do it with a deft enough hand, you, uh, it gets very uncomfortable really fast. And, uh, and also just because the way it handles it, where it's just like, and we stopped this one guy, therefore, you know, problem solved, you know, like, even though this, it doesn't do anything to address why child trafficking happens, which is usually the result of poverty and like exploitation of young people and people who are exploiting young people by saying, hey, you know, you can get rich and famous if you come to this country and I can like pay your way. Like there's like a whole thing, uh, for example, of a lot of like young Cuban men or like young West African men who uh, you know, are told by like sh- uh, by shady people, oh, hey, you know, you can come over to like uh, America to play baseball or come over to like uh, Europe uh, to play soccer in FIFA. And like, I'll just pay your way and stuff like that. But you actually have to just give me a down payment. And the next thing they know, they're stuck in a country where they don't know any, uh, anyone there. Uh, they, uh, and they have no connections and they have no funds. They have no way of contacting their families back home because some scammer just took all their money. And like, and like none of that kind of stuff gets addressed because this is just something that just comes at the end of the comic because this is an origin issue and you have to like find some sort of thing to fight uh to fight just so there's like a climax to it yeah i'm thinking like how they did that one issue that was clearly with a character based on molala Youssef, where they hear about like uh theocratic muslim regime in the middle east that's preventing women from reading and of course they go and beat them up with their superpowers and then everyone's happy at the end and congratulating themselves and not really acknowledging that maybe as is so often the case in real life this regime was 
propped up by American agencies because it was tactically beneficial for them to have that foothold and they don't care about the human rights abuses. Yeah, and also just the fact it was this one village. So it's like, there's literally nothing stopping these people from just coming back after you guys leave. Like, um, and, or even just like, uh, with an assumption from that first issue, again, like they hand all these like girls over to the police, which I mean, like there's a long history of like people who were involved in like child trafficking who got like no help whatsoever from the police or even actively antagonized by the police when they tried to go for help. And it just goes from like a very problematic assumption in a lot of like uh, superhero comics that just kind of treat like, you know, uh, like cops as the cleanup crew. Like they're the people who like, uh, you know, come fix up the situation after like Batman or Spider-Man or Superman have done their thing. And like everyone's all bound, uh, bound and gagged. And so now the cops can go and take them to jail. And it's like a problematic assumption because, you know, anyone who's just lived through like the past two years of history can tell you that like uh that uh that cops are not neutral actors and within the justice system yeah it's the whole thing just seems like a eerie portent to the way something like i don't think i mentioned in the blog and i don't think i've seen you come up but uh bring up but Go on. Uh, one of the last issues that Wade did, this was like towards the very end where they did like one issue that was sort of like a bunch of different uh, uh, like vignettes of like different champion, uh, like champions pairing sort of doing some stuff together. Like, uh, like uh, I know like uh, Miles and uh, uh, Miles and Nova were out uh, in New York stopping some vaguely Waluigi looking super criminals. But I remember uh, there was also a bit at uh, the Mexican border where they were trying to fight some guys. And the thing is like, you know, it's sort of like a thing. It's like, Oh, we're like protecting like migrants or something like that. But like the threats not coming from like, you know, border patrol or like uh, these like border militias that like uh, actively try to like uh, harm any uh, any like brown people they come across in the desert. It was literally like armed like uh, armed like criminals from Mexico, like like cartel men or something like that. And I'm like, Wade, Wade, my guy, you do realize this sounds exactly like the sort of shit Trump supporters say is happening at the border all the time, right? You you can't possibly see this situation and think, no, there's no way like uh, no way that like a right wing person could read this and say, yes, this is what's happening at the border. Yeah, this is very much the kind of comic that's after the election of Biden complete would completely memory hole all the camps of immigrants at the border. Or, uh, uh, or the camps of inhumans because, you know, a uh, secret empire tie in. Oh yeah. That the funny was. thing is the champions actions in, in like the main secret empire title, which I still uh, like defend wholeheartedly as a good like storyline. Uh, uh, like their actions in the main like champions in the main uh, secret empire book was actually really good because it was a good side arc with like them uh, with like uh, them being paired up with black widow. And it's sort of like, you know, like the cynical older generation that feels like there's nothing left to do to change what's bad in the world and the, you know, youthful optimism, but like of people who 
like are inexperienced and like uh, maybe have still have some naivete about the world and like what you need to do to accomplish change. And that was actually like a really good use of the champions in that, uh, in that book, which was even better than like how Wade was generally using them in their own book. Yeah. So going back a bit, like you definitely wear your neurodivergence on your sleeve in the blog, which is really good. And helped me come up with this project of mine actually inspired but They're very flattered by the way and it but it does seem like in a lot a lot of leftist circles the kind of understanding of disability in general including autism is either a bit limited or a bit condescending where it seems like if you bring up things specific to that, it doesn't go over well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like this is actually, so, uh, I don't want to say too much here if only because uh, I'm, I have uh, like ideas for blogs later this year that go into detail about some examples, but yeah, like I feel like ableism on the left is like pre- uh, pretty bad. Like, I mean, I, th- I think like nobody's surprised there's like ableism on the right because, you know, they kind of have a tendency to wear all, all the other types of uh, isms on their sleeve whenever it's convenient for them. Uh, and like even like like uh, liberals who like are, you know, uh, are on the right, despite how it might seem from an American political perspective. Uh, like, uh, well, like they'll still often like condescend or uh, or generally see uh, act pretty ignorant about like a lot of disability related issues but like especially on the left it gets very frustrating especially like i'm thank- thankful the actual like uh in real life activists uh, i have worked with are very understanding about uh, neurodivergence and uh, disability. Like, uh, you know, they will like ask me questions about things they're uncertain of and like actually seem to, you know, care about these issues. Uh, uh, Like none of the actual people I've worked with in real life ever seem to have any issues about like dealing with disability, like from a, you know, a, 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 from an ability to like actually like understand and process the information, but online, like I, I, it's just, I, it's very much, uh, it's very much like the result of sort of like the dirtbag left Chapo trap house style where, you know, you just do class reductionism and you're just kind of like working from the assumption that class is like the only analysis that matters and, and taking anything else into account is just like pandering to liberal brainworms or whatever. And and like with ableism especially uh i feel it's not one that's talked about a lot probably because you know there's less like differently abled and neurodivergent creators just because you know the way like uh content creation on the internet works means that if you're somebody who like is more likely to get fatigued or can't like uh upload on a consistent basis it's harder to sort of like uh fight your way to like a reasonably sized platform but I really do think a lot of it just kind of comes from this blatant like rejection of of this idea of like a liberal identity politics, which is like which is definitely disingenuous and doesn't actually address core issues. But like it, it treats the idea of even bringing this stuff up 
as uh, as giving into it instead of like acknowledging you know there's other ways to view these issues rather than just like the you know the, uh, the most uh, uh, the most like uh, yeah, the most like a uh, like a uh, disingenuous uh, way, and y- you know, it's like it's like the difference between you know, like a uh, like a uh, pride washing and like queer liberation. You know, the difference between oh, we put up a put up uh like uh we change our like uh our logo to be like uh, a rainbow uh for one month of the year but then like uh we will systemically like deny health benefits to our to our like uh gay employees kind of thing yeah and it's also personally kind of a paradox to be a socialist but to have a condition that makes socializing inherently more difficult I mean, the thing I always, I mean, this is, this is more of like a physical disability than neurodivergence, but I always think of how like Helen Keller, like, uh, you know, the, the, the lady, the woman who was uh, uh, blind in death, you know, uh, who like, uh, I forget the name of that movie that I, I think it's called the miracle, miracle worker. worker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like this, like she grew up to be like a socialist activist. She was involved in like the IWW and all that. And I think the best way I've heard uh, her described was uh, by Joe Kasabian of lions led by donkeys, where he said, even the blind lady could see capitalism wasn't working. Yeah. But at the same time to actually do the work needed to get progress is already hard and it, it for things like organizing and making connections it feels even harder when just being in mixed company feels like a nerve-wracking challenge and you're always second guessing yourself yeah yeah that's that's always like uh, an issue and also just sometimes maybe uh not being uh not being sure uh, if you can like handle certain uh certain responsibilities or like uh or just being uncertain of like uh of like if you're over commit uh over committing uh because you don't want to feel like a burden or like you're like uh not doing enough for the group that's always kind of a struggle a struggle and uh especially just it's been a bit of a struggle for me, like during the pandemic, just because, you know, locked up in a home, uh, you think, oh, okay, well, I can do all this stuff to keep me occupied. And then you sort of realize, oh, I really overcommitted. I'm doing way too much stuff at once. Uh, yeah, that's. But, yeah, but like going back to the ableism thing, I just want to bring this up because this is always what I think of with like. Uh, with like ableism leftist spaces this was back when before peter coffin successfully burnt every single like bridge of respectability uh he they had uh had with like the broader like leftist community online to instead hang hang out with like nozbles uh i remember there was this thing where i think it was one of those wojack type comics one of those like ugly 4chan type comics that just everyone uses now because they got so disseminated it's the one where you know it's like the showing someone who's like a drooling idiot and like their brain and like their skulls either looks like compacted in or it's like in the shape of like some random object to sort of like emphasize the fact this is like a stupid person and there was someone who was like hey you know this isn't really like cool this is kind of of offensive because you're essentially like uh showing people who have mental disabilities as being like uh 
as being like uh, these like ugly inhuman creatures and implying that like uh, you know thinking uh, think having a, bla- a bad political hot take or having like a very shitty ideology is the same as as having like uh, as having like uh, men- as having like uh, mental disabilities and you know how it's basically pandering into right wing ideas of like IQ equaling superiority kind of thing uh and you know just trying to bring up that basic thing i mean obviously it was a tweet so it wasn't going into all those uh all those points explicitly but it's basically just saying hey could we not use this and like uh i saw people retweeting peter coffin and retweeting that and saying it's like i just don't understand this form of leftist who talks about this and blah 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 and i'm looking at that and i'm just thinking you know peter if you don't know why they think like this maybe you could um ask them for clarification (laughs) Or, 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 you know, or is follow-up, are follow-up questions counter-revolutionary now? God, it's yeah, clearly that social media is where nuance goes to die. And it does especially feel... Twitter. Yeah, especially Twitter. And you can't seem to at, have any kind of critique of your own base without being implied that you're somehow selling out your base to the opposition. Yeah, exactly. And, you, and like, it's just like really annoying how many times I've seen like, uh, like lefty people just kind of like get on into like Twitter dunkathons on somebody who brought up an issue relating to like disability. And like, they just are like, man, this person's like a, like a, a liberal is like a, like a stupid, like liberal, like, uh, and it's like, you know, this person, like, I mean, they, uh, this person was making like a legitimate point. Like, yo, you can, you can like make fun of it being like a bad tweet without getting into it. Uh, there's one I really want to get into, but it's actually one I'm planning on making like a blog post. Oh, okay. I'll wait for that. Yeah. And so of all the blogs you've done, my favorite so far, which I think also connects to the kind of ways in which different perspectives and neurodiverse perspectives are valuable for uncovering some things that other people might not see at Lorong. You did a long thing about how the car, the automobile is linked to fascism and a lot of the terrible things we're fighting, like how not only the environmental impacts, but also like the talk kind of toxic individuality promoted by having your own vehicle, the lack of access a lot of people have to cars due to the expense, the ways in which companies have spent so much money to dismantle public infrastructure to keep cars as the main mode of transportation. And of course, the extremists who drive into crowds of protesters. And... A lot yeah, of that like, d- does a lot of that come from like your own your own issues with transportation, public or private. Oh yeah, like uh, I actually bring this up in uh, the blog myself, and I'm sure someone who's like a you know a bad faith uh, 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 reader of that kind of thing would just take it to assume I'm only have this assumption because I have some sort of like a fanatical like hatred of cars, even though like. Like I will, I can also say that like literally, uh, like uh, one of my favorite games to this day is are like the Burnout games, which is basically like a is basically a video game equivalent of like smashing your Hot Wheels together. Uh, but 
Yeah, my relationship to cars is weird because I grew up in uh, in rural uh, Ontario, uh, and and basically, much like rural America, rural Canada is. Uh, is like a very spread out. In fact, it's kind of even more spread out than America, uh, than a lot of America in some places. And basically, if you live in a town that's the size of uh, the, of my hometown, it's you're basically on a desert island if you can't drive or can't get someone to drive you someplace. There's like no movie theaters. There's like uh, no grocery, uh, no major grocery stores. It's mainly just like a like a gas station. Uh, like uh, like a gas station and like a couple of other businesses uh, and that's it you don't really have too much and uh, yeah and so it kind of leaves you being like dependent on having people drive you around and when you start becoming like uh, uh, like you know, when you start reaching adulthood it starts getting very like uh, annoying when you're uh, become dependent on other people driving you places and I remember I started feeling when I uh, started living more in Ottawa proper to attend the college classes and I was just taking the buses to get uh, places. I felt like a lot more uh, liberated. And this isn't me like uh, saying that like the buses uh, buses in uh, in Ottawa are perfect. Like any of the people I do activism work with will like uh, can tell you uh, how uh, imper how like very flawed uh, Ottawa's public transit system is. But it, it was just very liberating for me for just uh, being like, okay, I don't need to ask anyone in my family or a friend or something to drive me somewhere. I can just look up a bus schedule and I can just uh, ride there. And it wasn't always perfect because, uh, uh, because, you know, sometimes buses are late and sometimes there's weird schedule stuff that you don't, re uh, that they don't really uh, announce in the travel planner. But it just felt like a lot more freeing to know that like I was getting places because, uh, because of, uh, of things that were under my control and not just because, because of the availability of other people. And it started to sort of make me realize like when I was riding in the car with, uh, my family members, just like how many of them were, uh, very much like, uh, a very much short, uh, like short tempered with, any uh with like people crossing the street with like people cut uh cutting them off uh cutting off in traffic like like a very much like a thing where uh anything that happens is like purely like someone else's fault and like how dare you inconvenience me like that very i i very kind of like a like a karen kind of attitude you know that very like middle class and if thing that inconveniences me is like someone else's fault and it's very much like uh, kind of feels like a lot of the ideology around cars. Like I bring up in the blog about how uh, our current premier, Doug Ford, back when he was on uh, Toronto City Council and was and was basically like uh, unofficially running the city uh, alongside like uh, his mayor, uh, his brother, Rob Ford, uh, you know, the crack mayor. That was like a meme for like 15 minutes. Uh uh, like uh, basically there there was like some uh, legislation that was coming through the provincial government was like setting up uh, more like uh, uh, more like uh, like uh, some more like rail lines 
like uh, like LRT kind of thing. You also like uh, you know subway kind of stuff, uh, and uh, you know there was also like uh, stuff like putting up toll booths and like reducing the speed limit that were being discussed. And uh, and uh, Doug Ford called it a war on the car. And like I even use like this uh, their title card here uh, here in. Uh, this title card here in like uh, in the blog post, but like Prager U went uh, put out a video talking about the war on the car, where they use their like general oh Washington's putting us real Americans under attack rhetoric towards like automobile things, even though like 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 I if you literally like uh, know anything about like urban planning in the United States or just the history of cars in the United States you'll know like there are no uh, uh, there is no one in Washington who's anti-car like like maybe there's a couple of people who want some more trains or something like that but like like there's about uh, about as many people in Washington who are like against car owners as there are like uh, as there are like as there are people who are like anti-breathing air right and of course i just recently saw, showed you a tweet about from our old friend jordan b peterson who is going on about how the attack on the car is an attack on individuality or some shit and of course as the self-help guru of the inter- internet right wing i'm sure a lot of his fans have also driven cars into protesters so well uh let me tell uh let me tell you this socialist uh what kind of free na- uh, nation is it where you can't get your ride pimp- uh, pimped by ex- by exhibit himself yes <laughs> oh yeah i so closing out what can we expect to see for, in terms of new articles from you in the coming months well, uh, currently I'm working on uh, on one that has like a, a, a more straightforward autism uh, autism focus. It's uh, basically about uh, a, uh, like a troubling trend of a lot of like uh, a lot of like people with terrorism charges or other extremist charges, uh, like trying to play like being autistic up as some kind of like get out of jail three card, like uh, the QAnon shaman, like uh, his uh, defense lawyer tried that using like incredibly ableist language to like describe the the majority of capital rioters uh the the toronto van attack from a few years ago they also tried using that uh, uh i found out recently the sandy hook shooting actually like they also tried using that it, even there was a thing where uh like that one guy from back in the 2000s who tried like blowing up suvs because because uh you know he wanted to like uh fight uh fights like uh air pollution like uh they like uh, diagnosed him with autism specifically so they could try and use that as a defense apparently yeah it's mental illness and neurodivergence seems to come up a lot in these cases to try to distance ourselves from these terrorists and say this is not who we are when like nine times out of ten if not more they're motivated by some kind of white supremacist agenda which is exactly who we are in colonizer nations yeah and it's and it also just like kind of uh, works from an assumption that people with autism don't have agency over their actions which is you know bullshit i mean like the the van attack guy he literally went out and like uh and like rented a van and i can tell you like if if this was really the sort of autistic person you could reasonably de- uh, describe as like probably not uh uh, uh like 
uh, not having the most like rational control over their actions or whatever, they probably wouldn't be the sort of person whose family would just let them like rent a van, just knowing from my experiences with a lot of autistic people. Yeah. Like he clearly knew what he was doing. Like, let's see. Uh, so like, yeah, there's that. Uh, um, uh, there's also like another one I was actually going to do uh, uh, I was actually going to do before my latest one about uh, where I was basically gushing about uh, Into the Spider-Verse and how I think it's better than every single MCU movie <laughs> um, uh, where basically it, uh, it's about like uh, the a, a very niche subject of like uh, of like the uh, flags of the far right in Can uh, here in Canada because like our far right has like several flags, including several that are very like uh, unique to uh, to us as a nation. And you know, flags uh, always like say a lot about the people who are using them, and it gives and it gives like uh, a lot of insight into like what these people are thinking and what are like the uh, like what are the different sort of like beliefs in this like general soup of uh of uh very terrible people and also less what they're trying to flag towards you when they're waving these things in fact actually one of the flags i'm hoping to talk about i actually saw like for myself like uh last month in real life like i, I was just like walking down the street uh, uh uh and uh this guy this like uh, some anti-masker anti uh uh mandate person's just driving around in the car in downtown ottawa and uh, uh has like uh, all these slogans pasted on their car but they also have like some flags there's like two canadian flags including one that's upside down which uh i don't know if that's supposed to be anything intentional like if they're trying to do the you know flag is upside down to indicate like crisis thing or if they just really fucked up like putting their flag on right side up because the other one was <laughs> but they also like hung up one that i know is very specific to like uh, the Quebecois francophone far right, which is like ties into uh, like a lot of colonial era history and has been like, you uh, know, basically kind of think like the same sort of uh, fetishization that a lot of like the American far right has with like the Patriot movement and 1776. It's like that same, uh, that same like uh, kind of uh, idea where you just steal like imagery from the past to paste it onto like you not liking the fact there's brown people living in the same neighborhood as you. Yeah, it's, well, I, I look forward to all that. Thank you, Radical Writer, for coming on. This has been a tremendous pleasure. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad I could make it. Uh, uh, it was nice uh, getting to talk to you about this. I'm glad to see that uh, there are people who uh, care about my uh, various ramblings. Of course. T have a good time of day wherever you are, everybody. All right. Bye, everybody.